Welcome, everybody. This is How to English. Teach and learn with Gavin M. It's a podcast about teaching, learning English as a foreign language. All opinions stated are personal, and references will be given when necessary. And what would you do if? Dot 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 question mark episode fourteen season four of Gavin M's How to English podcast. I'm on tenterhooks, Gav. What would I do if what? But first, M, if you're enjoying Gavin M's How to English podcast, share it with a friend, a colleague, with a school. Just share it with somebody, then they can enjoy the show too. Absolutely. Share away, everybody, and. Give us any feedback. We'd love to hear your comments. We can always talk about a topic if you've got an idea. Let us know what you think. Today, Em, I've got some questions for you. All about what would you do if your student, the school you're working for, you—I don't know—but I've got some questions. Are these all hypothetical questions, Gav? They are hypothetical questions. <laughs> Let's say hi to the hypothetical questions. Why are we practicing what if questions, Gav? Because we are often in situations where we need to guess what we would do in these tricky scenarios. That is the joy of being a human being. We have the ability to predict, project, imagine situations that are not real. And therefore, as English teachers, we need to prepare our students for these situations, and we need to be prepared ourselves for any unknowns that may arise. And that is a healthy thing to do for a limited amount of time. But don't spend your life just thinking about what if. I think <laughs> this is not a self-help podcast. Let's get down to some English language. What am I talking about? That's right, Em. These questions that I have prepared for us are all about what would you do if your students, what would you do if your school, that kind of thing. Like everyday situations. Let me jump in. What would you do if a student was repeatedly late? Hmm, that is tricky. I would definitely. At the beginning of this period, say something to the student. What would you say? I would say, "Why are you late?" and please be on time. And if it happens again, I might need to tell the school or the company that I'm working for because attendance is important, and the group requires so many students maybe to continue. And it's just a bit disrespectful if you're late every time to both you, the teacher, to the fellow students. Yeah, I probably wouldn't say that to the student, but anyway, I think I would definitely say, "Please be on time, do your best." But if they were repeatedly late, then I would probably have to just take it to a higher level. Tell their mum. <laughs> yeah, tell on them, snitch. Just get them in trouble. Is what I would do. What would you do? I think I would follow the same steps and just. Really understand why the student was late. Is it because of a conflict on their timetable? Is it because they're just not taking their English lessons very seriously? I'd need、um, to get to the bottom, Em. I actually agree with you there. I think I've realised you're doing it right, Gav. You've got to ask why, because if there's a really good reason, if they say, "Oh well, I've got to take my child to school every day, and there's absolutely no way I could get here before 
whatever time to be on time, maybe just make allowances for that student and just explain to the group, well, this person's going to be late every time. We're just going to have to deal with it. Or let's start 15 minutes later. If it's an option, definitely. Also, I feel like I was already strict and horrible. I feel like I want to go back now and say, I wouldn't do that. I would say, let's work around it. Let's find a solution. We can fix it. Oh, I like some of those, what I would do. Mm, Nice. I've got another question for you, Em. Go for it. What would you do if your student didn't want to study from a book? Then I wouldn't study from a book. I would make my own lessons or ask the student, well, can you bring something with you? Have you got ideas? And try to create a course plan. Sounds like a lot of work. Sometimes it is. Have you ever done that? Yeah, many times. It sort of depends on the student, to be honest. If the student's just saying it in a sort of, I don't want a book, it's all down to you, the teacher, to work it out and make it fun but not make it a book lesson or a book course, then I don't think that's fair. But if the students, like, I've been through so many English courses, I'm sick of books, can we talk about this thing or that thing, I'm really interested in this, I've got this hobby, my job's really difficult, I'd need to talk to you about this, this and this, then that's my kind of student, Gav. Mm, Still sounds very challenging if you don't already have some materials and instead you have to write everything for every lesson. I used to fear that. I used to be terrified of students saying no book, but now I actually think it's liberating and more interesting and every lesson has potential for fun and exploration and you just got to be yeah you got to be on form I think with those students ready to develop the lesson take it where it needs to go makes me feel anxious just hearing that Em but that's how you teach Gav I don't get why you're worried this is (laughs) your whole method Em What would you do if a student laughed at another student's English mistakes? Frown at them. (gasps) Not the one that made the mistake. Frown at the one that laughed. Oh, that's a very powerful tool, the frown. That's the upside-down smile, isn't it? Yes, it's my secret weapon, and I use it occasionally, but when I do, it's very effective. Daggers from the eyes? Yeah, nip it in the bud, is what I would say. Is a frown strong enough if you're nipping those buds? Um, yeah, my frown's like a pair of secateurs. It's sharp <laughs> and it cuts straight through anything. Um, I My point is just make it clear you're not approving of the laugh and I would definitely... Not join in? Not join in. Why are you laughing? I wouldn't join in. No. Once you start encouraging that behaviour, it can become a slippery slope. Where everybody's laughing at everybody's mistakes. Yeah, and I don't like that environment. I'm not a fan of pointing laughing at people laugh with people and maybe once you've got the students or the group's trust and then they're making mistakes that are genuinely funny or just repetitive like I've got students that just can't say a word the right way and they just sort of slap themselves in the head every time and they say oh I just can't do it right and it is funny because they're making it funny so I think if you get students that are happy to go along with it it can actually be quite a good tool for correction because it's like the whole class goes quiet and knows that that's the mistake that student always makes and we sort of know to correct it so judge the the vibe but as a rule I wouldn't laugh Mm. I wouldn't say anything to 
keep that going. I agree. What would you do if your student arrived early to class? Oh, that's also a hard one. Maybe harder than the other way if they're late. And this could be a physical class or an online class. Well, online's easy. You don't have to join. You can literally join on the second that the lesson starts. But if it's a face-to-face class, then the door is open. I suppose you could keep the door shut if you wanted to. Mm. Curtains closed. Lock it if necessary. Exam in progress. Do not enter. <laughs> uh, but I have been in situations where students have arrived early and they're all keen and happy to get an extra English lesson before the English lesson. and A free personal one-to-one lesson for 10 minutes before the other students arrive. Yeah, which is fine if you're in the right mood and you're feeling friendly and you haven't got loads of stuff to plan or activities to put out or things to stick on the walls, whatever. Um, I don't know. I think I would be friendly and encouraging and say, oh, it's nice you're here early. What a great student you are. And That would be very encouraging. And you might see that student every week at the same time, early. Probably would if you are friendly like me. And it might start to get a little bit wearing because you're right, it is your free time that you're giving to Or your this preparation person. time. Yeah. When I was a new teacher, I didn't encourage it. And I think the students could see on my face that how harassed I was. And so they didn't enter and they went and got a coffee from the, the break room or whatever. So shutting the door is an indication to say you're not ready for the class to begin yet. Or just say it, I think. Just say to the student, I'm really sorry, I need a couple of minutes to think about this lesson. Take a seat, I'll be with you when the lesson starts. Yeah, oh, that's that's another option. Literally just say, yeah, sit down, but I'm not going to be able to talk to you. And you can enjoy them staring at you while you stick (laughs) things on the wall. Yes. Um, Yeah, or if you really need to, like you said, just close the door, open it when you're ready. That is a good solution. So I can't think of anything else that I would do other than saying to the student, go away, leave me alone, I'm stressed, I'll talk to you later. And we don't do that. We're no, nice we don't people. Do that. Nobody does. We are nice people. But I've seen teachers arrive at the lesson at the exact time the lesson starts. Or possibly two minutes late. That happens. So if you are really against talking to your students before classes, don't arrive early yourself. If you don't need to plan it. But that is a problem because many teachers do need to arrive early and set up and put all the books out. And I do. I definitely do. But if you haven't got a set up, so to speak, if all you've got to do is plan mentally, you could do that from a teacher's room. Just, yeah, go there when you're ready to be on. Switched on. Yeah. Teacher mode activated. How about... If your student gave you bad feedback, because I know what I would do, Em, I'd get very upset. Mm. I'd need to take some time and probably not react immediately by sending an email and saying, (laughs) I'm not doing this anymore, I quit. Mm. But instead thinking, why did this happen? How could I have avoided it? What are my next steps? Mm. That's a very mature approach, Gav. Sounds like you've learned from experience. Mm. I agree. I think you've got to take a moment just to process it, absorb it, not take it too personally because you're going to get a lot of this sort of thing, I think, in your job. So you've got to learn to 
see it from a positive side, like you said. How can I learn from this? Happens to the best teachers, happens to the worst teachers. It's not always an indication that you're giving bad lessons or you're a bad teacher. It just happens sometimes. There could be a number of different reasons why you might get some bad feedback. Yeah, give it time, think about it, but don't obsess over it. We're all maybe very sensitive about negative feedback and... It tends to dominate your thoughts. It does with me anyway. I always keep going over it in my head. Like, what did I do wrong? And exactly what it was that made that student write that thing. And you can't change it. So just move on with it. Try and avoid it in the future. Yeah. It depends as well if you're going to see that student again. If it's an end of course feedback and that's it, then it's easier to let it go. But if you know you've got to see them again, would you deal with it? acknowledge it would you say to the student I got your feedback thanks I'm working on it or you know whatever would you have a conversation or would you just keep that one inside bottled up not talk about it does depend what the feedback was but I think I have had bad or slightly critical feedback and I did talk to the student in a safe environment I didn't want them to feel uncomfortable and we just talked about it briefly and I said yeah that's something that I want to work on something that we could introduce into the lessons and could improve my teaching thank you for the feedback I appreciate it yeah that sounds good I think if it's something simple like I'd like to do more business English then it's easy just to say thanks got your feedback noted we'll definitely do that in the future if it's something like I didn't like Gav's t-shirt then I probably wouldn't raise that point and talk about it I would just not wear that t-shirt would you not Of course not. Hmm, I don't know about that really. I think it's um, unfair criticism. Unless your t-shirt had bad language or, you know, I hate my students written on it or something. (laughs) Yeah, I stopped wearing that one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm only joking. Em, I've got another question, but this is from the school's point of view. What would you do if the school made you do too much admin Oof, these are hard questions. Makes you think, doesn't it? Does. Um, I would do it. I would do it begrudgingly, resentfully. I've definitely had that situation, so I know what I would do. I would do it, but maybe it's not like you can really suggest ways to cut down the admin to your company. You is could it? write to them and say, hey, I'm really, really busy with all these classes I have. Plus, you're making me do a lot of admin. I don't really have time to do this unpaid work. Yeah. Can you help me out with this? Or just put it back in their court. What can I do about it? See what solutions they come up with. I don't know. I've never tried, but I would be very curious to know how that goes. Yeah, that's one option. You could write to them a month later and say, oh, it must have gone in my spam folder. I don't advise that one, to be honest, because admin has a habit of catching up with you and it just means you have double the admin later on in the year. It resurfaces, doesn't it? Yeah, you can't keep it down. (laughs) I'm not going to come up with a horrible metaphor for that. But anyway... (laughs) um, Yeah, I think you've got to choose your company, basically. If you're not good at admin, you don't like admin, ask about it in the interview and say what kind of admin is involved in this job. And if they say to you, yes, we do weekly tests, you have to write reports for your students monthly, and at the end of the year we have a 
huge online database of records that you have to write, maybe that's not the company for you. Because as we know, EFL is varied. It's a spectrum. Some companies love admin, do loads of admin. Others are very light on the admin. So you can cherry pick if that's an issue for you. And if it's an option for you. Yes. Sometimes you've just got to do what you're told to do. Yeah, and I've been in companies where the admin has got more and more and more. And that is, again, a really hard situation. It can go up incrementally, so you don't really notice that there's a little bit extra each month. And then by the end of the year, you've got four times the amount of admin you had when you started the job. And it's not fun anymore. The last question for you, Em, is what would you do if the school you worked for gave you too many classes? It depends if I was freelance or a contract teacher. If I was a contract teacher, I wouldn't have a lot to argue, really. If you've signed a contract to say you're going to take that many hours, then there's not much you can do. You could ask beseechingly if they would reduce your hours perhaps maybe there's another teacher who can take some of your classes you could negotiate something but I think you've really set yourself up for that to be honest but if you're freelance then balls in your court you can take what you want dump what you want keep what you want you can be fussy I like all of those answers where were those questions from Gav I just made them up oh they were good thanks thanks for answering them That was all second conditional for hypothetical or unlikely, unreal situations. We did jump the gun slightly. Maybe we should have gone in a little bit lower. Lower? A lower number of conditionals. You mean like first or zero? Zero would be the lowest denominator of those particular conditional if clauses. We did it Gavin M style, which was to dive into the middle and then work backwards messily. So (laughs) should we go back to zero? Well, before we do... We're going to do third. You want to jump to third? Go back to zero after that. Em, I have four answers to four of the questions I just asked you. Uh Uh-huh. Now, they're not all of the same type of conditional sentences. Why not? Because I've got a little challenge for you. Oh, I love challenges, Gav. I want you to tell me what type of conditional sentence it is. What's the form... And which question I was answering. You don't ask much, do you? Okay. I hope the followers were following very closely because this is a real challenge. Are you ready? Hmm, maybe not, but I think you might need to help me with this. My first answer is, if my students give me bad feedback, I cry. Ah, okay. So the question was, what would you do if your students give you bad feedback? And you answered with zero conditional... If plus present, and then it's a present simple statement after a comma. So it's like a fact. This is what happens on a regular basis. And if it happens, you cry. It's a true statement, Em. Yeah. Just small tears welling in my eyes. Okay. My second sentence is, I'll tell them I already have enough classes. And this would be the question about what would you do if your company gave you too many classes? Perhaps it happens to you and so it's a real situation. So you're saying, well, it does happen to me. And when that happens, or if that happens, I'll tell them, what was it? That I already have enough classes. You're talking about first conditional, which is if plus present tense, 
and then comma, future, which could be will, going to, present continuous for future, with infinitive. Nice. Thank you for describing that. My third sentence, M, is I would ask them if they want their lesson on another day or at a different time. Maybe this is the, what would you do if your student was late on a regular basis? M, that's correct. And that is following the pattern of second conditional because it's a hypothetical situation. So you're talking about it in the if plus past, comma, would or wouldn't plus infinitive. I've been teaching conditionals this week, Gav. It's fresh in my head. You are definitely prepared. And finally, if they had laughed, I would have told them not to laugh again. This question was, what would you do if a student laughed at another student's mistake? And you're responding in a sense that is that you're remembering that it happened to you last week, maybe yesterday, in the past anyway. But it didn't happen, fortunately. It's like a hypothetical past situation that didn't happen. If plus past perfect, comma, would, wouldn't, plus present perfect. Would have plus past participle verb three. You are correct. Sorry, but I'm I'm interested in third conditional form because if you start going down the if plus had plus past participle, blah, 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 I just say to my students, if plus past perfect would plus present perfect. My students don't know past perfect and they don't know present perfect, but they probably would know if plus had plus mm. past participle or verb three would plus have plus past participle verb three. Gav, I would argue if your students don't know They just don't perfect, know the names of them. Oh, I was going to say they're not ready for third conditional if they don't know those tenses. Before. I didn't say they were ready, but maybe they said, Gav, what's this? And I say, it's third conditional. We use this for things that didn't happen or we regret yeah, or something. Good point. So sometimes these big EFLE type phrases don't always make sense to students. but Like EFLE, for example. Yeah. Doesn't make sense to anyone. I think we need to zero in on zero conditional M. Mm, how are we going to do that? I've got some sentence starters, facts about science. And maybe you can finish them for me. Oh, science. Okay. Well, not only science, science and other stuff. Not my strength. Here but we go. I will try. Ice melts. Ice melts. I thought you said ice melts. Ice melts at a warm temperature. <laughs> if. Oh, if. Um, sorry. <laughs> Ice melts. Maybe the followers can also try while you're trying to come up with the answer. Yeah. Ice melts if you sit on it. Yes. Unless you're very, very cold and then it might not. It might just... I think you'd have to be a corpse not to melt. Anyway. Plants thrive. Plants thrive if they are in the sunshine. It gets dark. It gets dark if you close your eyes. Gav smiles. Gav smiles if if you can say a third conditional sentence correctly without any grammar mistakes. M laughs. M laughs if her students say third conditional sentences with mistakes. <laughs> no, no, not really. No, no, I don't. Your students have fun. Your students have fun if they play a game. 
And finally, you get lots of teaching and learning tips. Uh, nice, Gav. Nice. You get lots of teaching and learning tips if you listen to Gavin M's How to English podcast. Thank you, M. Nice examples. Thank you, Gav. Nice sentence starters. And I think teachers could probably come up with their own starters to use in their classes to practice the zero conditional. Any conditional. That's a really good activity. I've done that this week. Get students to finish the sentences. If I were a bird, if I were invisible, it's good for second as well. Any, really. And we've done second. Let's think about first conditional. How can we practice first? What about a conversation starter chain story continuation activity, Gav? Do you know that one? Great title. (laughs) Familiar? Familiar with that? Yeah. (laughs) So I make a sentence with a conditional, first conditional, and you use the second part of that sentence to start your next sentence. Let me have a go. So I'm going to start. If I wake up early, I'll go to the gym. If I go to the gym, I'll lift some weights. If I lift some weights, then I'll get big muscles. If I get big muscles, I'm going to buy a tight t-shirt. If I buy a tight t-shirt... I'm going to wear it clubbing. If I wear my tight t-shirt clubbing, I'm going to be really popular. And if I'm really popular, I'm going to start my own Instagram account. That's my goals. Em, I like the way you finished that sentence. (laughs) You decided it was over, but okay. (laughs) That was good. The thing is, it can go on and on and on, can't it? Forever and ever. Some people it can, yeah. If you've got creative students, you could keep going for a while. Now, we don't need to practice the second conditional because the whole first part was about second conditional. Yes, I noticed that. What would you do if? I've been teaching conditionals, as I said this week, Gav, and one of my students said a really good thing. What was that, Em? He said, if and will makes you ill. Oh, so that's the form of first conditional. That's right. So his way of remembering not to put if and will together is to say if and will makes you ill. So always... Separate the if clause and the will clause. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a really good tip. That's a great tip. Because whenever I teach second conditional, I always say to my students, if and would is not good. Oh, that is also very good. I'm going to remember that. I'll teach my students that too. Because how many times do you get students saying, oh, if I would be the boss of my company, I would buy a new coffee machine? That is not grammatically correct, Em. No, and they do like to say it a lot. There's a little too much wood in that sentence. Yeah, too much oak, maybe. And if I will be a manager, yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, I'm frowning now. Yeah. I've got the daggers coming out. So keep that in mind. Third conditional, Em, have you got any activities? Pictures are good. Two pictures, one shows... A past situation, and then the second picture shows the result of that past situation. So there's a good English file activity where there's a picture of a football player kicking the ball and missing the goal, and then the next picture shows a very disappointed football team, and the student's got to say a sentence that summarises that, and that would be Gav. If I hadn't missed the goal, we would have won. That's right. And you can have a lot of fun with that because there's not just one way to say it. If he had scored, we would have won the game or, you know, you can mix it up a bit. Positives, negatives, you can be really creative with it. 
How about if we make it real, M, in a teacher-learner type way? If I get you to think about your last difficult class, mm. what would you have done differently? Very good activity. Make it real is a good tip. So if I think about my last lesson, I wouldn't have started the last activity if I had realised I only had three minutes left. That is not long enough. No. That's what I'm saying in hindsight. That is a regret I have now about the past. Any other regrets? I'm sure you've got no, lots of them. No, but I think that's enough of my regrets, Gav. Let's talk about your regrets. What regrets have you got from your last week teaching? I wouldn't have finished the activity two minutes before the end of the class if I had known that we would be sitting there staring at each other with blank faces and nothing to say. Oh, you had the opposite problem. You finished too early. I didn't have enough time. These are common regrets of English teachers. So always be prepared with your little list of extra questions for the last couple of minutes of the lesson. For example, Em? What's happening after this class? Exactly. Have you had lunch yet? Yeah. yeah. What's for dinner? <laughs> oh. Watch the time just ticking away. Mm. Gav, I think it's time to introduce our special guest today. And that is Arpana. And Arpana is an English IELTS and accent trainer at Arpeges. You can find her on Instagram under AFB IELTS and at her website. Links will be in the show notes where she shares vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation tips for learners of all levels, plus strategies for exam students preparing for the IELTS exam. And this has practical exercises to help you improve your speaking, reading, writing and listening skills. That's right, Em. We've been really lucky to collaborate with our partner on today's show as she's kindly recorded a mini lesson on the topic of conditional sentences zero to third. Before you listen to our partner's recording, I want you to go to our show notes and download the quiz worksheet which you can complete during the next part of today's show. Gav, I think I'm going to do that too. Hello, my name is Arpana and today we'll be looking at conditional sentences. There are four conditionals, zero conditional, first conditional, second conditional and third conditional. They come under the category of if clauses. These sentences may seem overwhelming for basic students However, don't worry, these kind of sentences are prevalent in our day-to-day -day conversations. You get to hear them often. Hence, it's a good idea to get used to using them every day. Do write down the example sentences that I'll be saying and these will help you make your own statements. Okay? The first conditional is zero conditional. It is used to talk of scientific facts or when you need to give instructions. For example, if the temperature goes below 0 degrees Celsius, water turns to ice. So what do you notice? There are two clauses separated by a comma. Verbs are in the first form in both parts of the sentence. In the first part, goes is in the first form and in the latter half, it is turns. In many cases, if can be replaced with when. Zero conditionals mean that the latter part of the sentence will certainly happen if the first part happens. That is, there's a 100% surety this is going to happen. Both the clauses are interchangeable though. More examples. Plants die if they don't get enough water. Or you could say, if plants don't get enough water, they die. 
If you mix blue and yellow, you get a green color. If you eat excessively fatty food, you are prone to high cholesterol levels. When we combine hydrogen and oxygen, we get water. Whenever I eat pizzas, I get mouth ulcers. Snakes bite if they are scared. If babies are hungry, they cry. If you touch fire, you get burnt. The aforementioned sentences uh, were all examples of scientific or general truth. Let's look at examples where we give instructions. If Peter calls, tell him to call me. Ask Tom if you have any clarifications. Should you face any glitches, please don't hesitate to contact me. If you want to learn Japanese, you need to spend some time in Japan. The next conditional is first conditional. These sentences show there is a real possibility of that event taking place. With if, we use the verb in the first form and the latter part will have will plus v1. That is the first form of the verb. Instead of will, you may use modals. She'll be furious if she finds out the truth. If I get a two-day leave, I shall go trekking. If it rains, my silk sari will be ruined. If you drop ceramic vessels, they may break. If I get time, I'll be able to meet you this evening. I'll buy a new blazer if I manage to save money. I'll be late to class if I don't leave home before 9am. You'll have to take a taxi home if you want to leave now. If anyone asks for me, I'll be at the canteen. If he continues to recuperate at this rate, he should be out of hospital next week. Okay. The next conditional is second conditional. There is an unreal possibility, that is the chances of some event happening are bleak. Talking of the structure, with if we use a second form of the verb, namely the past tense, and the other clause will have would plus v1. Note that with I, he, she, it or any name, we would use were and not was. In some cases, past continuous forms also work. Now the examples. If I knew enough about this gadget, I would mend it myself. If I knew they were honest, I would gladly lend them the money. Sometimes we leave out the if too. It would be embarrassing were she to find out the truth. Were they to arrive today, there would be no way for them to stay. If I became the Prime Minister of India, I would change our educational pattern by implementing more practical skills. I would obtain a master's degree in Sanskrit if I ever studied it. If I were you, I would take up this job. If the police were to catch him, he would spend at least a decade in prison. If I had a contact number, I would call her right away. What interiors would you do if you were the owner of this house? Okay. To make things easier, let's compare first conditional and second conditional. If I have a helicopter, I will fly all over the world. And if I had a helicopter, I would fly all over the world. So the previous case, it was uh, first conditional. The latter case is second conditional statement. In the former case, it's a real possibility. That is, I can afford a helicopter. But in the latter case, it's an unreal possibility. That is, I may never have this kind of money. Finally, let's study third conditionals. 
these sentences are just imaginary that is hypothetical and unreal it indicates regret and the time has gone the current situation is different with if we use had and the third form of the verb and the latter sentence will have would have and the third form of the verb examples if i had known how difficult the job was i wouldn't have taken it we can also use the structure beginning with had it not been like had it not been for his parents he would never go or rather he would never have gone abroad had it not been for my mother's support i wouldn't have achieved whatever little i did so far if i hadn't rushed my father to hospital he would have been dead if they hadn't found him in time they wouldn't have been able to save his life if i had known you were in delhi i would have come over my father would have been richer had he not bought this worthless land we can also use but for but for my ex director's support i wouldn't have gotten this job but for tom giving me a lift i wouldn't have been able to make it on time thank you wow gav that was fantastic what a great collection of example sentences that was an amazing compilation of all of the conditional if clauses and wonderful example sentences i hope you guessed them correctly m and you checked your answers in the answer key and the worksheet this will give you a really good idea of how to use the conditionals in the future or the past if it's third but you know what i mean yeah thank you our partner it was all very comprehensive and a great resource bank thank you don't forget to go to instagram search afb i e l t s and check out the fantastic resources there ready gav for learn the words <laughs> <laughs> oh it gets harder every week i'm not sure how to play the xylophone to that part em ready gav learn the word <laughs> i can't do it all right i think we've done it em learn a word learn a word learn a word this week is condition gav condition the word condition what a good word it is that is a nice word and it has many uses i hope you've prepared for this week em i have i have totally got my notes and what i'm going to do is i'm going to say a sentence with the word condition in a form either a noun or a verb gav you're going to do the explanation you're going to say what it means in that sentence i am very happy to oblige so if i said Oh, my sofa is in really good condition. What does it mean? State, physical appearance, wear and tear. Yes, let's go back to state. That was perfect. It <laughs> means it's in a good state. A good condition, then. Could be. I yeah, know it's hard. It could be a bad condition. Also, don't forget negative and positive. Mm. What about a bit of a serious one? If I say I'm a bit worried that I will have a heart condition in the future, what's that? heart disease yeah or illness exactly could be a disorder a problem suggesting short term or long term problem it does sound like it's long term i think so too what about if i put an s on the end of it and i say um you shouldn't work in hot conditions oh that sounds like weather atmospheric environments 
situations. That's right. So we usually use S with this. It's always conditions. It did make me think of hot weather. Yeah. Healthy work conditions should be right temperature. And also that it's a safe environment, a safe working place where there's no trip hazards or pieces of metal sticking out that could be dangerous. Yeah. So imagine someone saying, I refuse to work in these conditions or under these conditions. Mm, It sounds almost psychological as well. Like you might be being bullied. Could be anything. Could be mental, physical. Yes. Good. Um... What if I said, I will help you with the next podcast episode on one condition, and that is, you need to buy me some chocolate. On this condition, meaning you must do something for me before I'll do this for you. So it's a... Requirement? Or a like precondition, a stipulation. Yeah, exactly that. On this condition? Yeah, on. We use on this condition, on one condition... And usually the verb, you must, what's that? Like if you do your side of it, then you will, mm, these conditions. Fulfill? Yeah, that works. I think also meet. A lot of the time it's passive, so these conditions must be... Met. Must be met. By your podcast co-host. That's right. How much chocolate, Em? I'll let you know. So those are all the nouns. Now we've got the verbs, which do mirror some of the nouns. So there is the word to condition as in the sense of stipulate or require, but we don't use it very often. It doesn't sound very familiar. We don't. uh, So I am free to condition as I see fit. If I want chocolate, I will ask for it. But we don't usually use it, do we? What's the action, the verb we usually use with condition if we say it like that? I'm going to the conditions that I will work under. Stipulate. Change? Yeah, change maybe, but stipulate is good or set the conditions, fix them, whatever. So we don't often use that condition as a verb, but it does exist. You may not be aware of that. I think you were not aware of that. It does exist. But what about the more common ones? We are conditioned to think that quitting is wrong. Mm, That takes us back to episode 12, giving up. That's right. So if I say that, we're conditioned to think that quitting is wrong. What does condition as a verb in that sentence? Raised, brought up, yeah. taught. Yeah, that's it. A little bit like controlled as well, maybe. Mm. Exactly. And the final one is I condition my hair twice a week, Gav. Do you? Yeah. Well, that's good. That would be very effective. So what does it mean? I condition my hair twice a week? To use a... Serum. What? Liquid which makes your hair soft. Yeah. So what word would you replace condition with? I condition my hair. Treat. Yes. Good. Paint. No. No. (laughs) Go back to treat or say nourish, improve. Nourish or improve. Because you can condition a sofa as well as your hair. You know, it's like you're putting it into a good state. State. (laughs) Yes, that's right. And then, of course, we have the conditional sentences. Which I think we've definitely covered in a slightly random way, but completely. Yeah, I'll go along with that. Random part. Yeah. Is that everything, Gav? I think it is. So if you don't have any more questions, Em, I will leave. 
I feel like that was an example sentence, but yes, very good. And if I had known how random today was going to be, I would have planned it a bit better. Thank you very much. See you next time, Em. See you, Gav. Gav.